For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose. And welcome to episode number 360 of This Old Marketing for Friday, January 27th, 2023. And with me, as always, my pal, my colleague, and a guy who's slightly more valuable than a dozen eggs, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Did you see my wife showed me uh, some meme going around and saying that the the best present you could get if you're getting married and it was a wedding ring with a... (laughs) Egg on. Dozen eggs. <laughs> with an egg. With one egg. It was a fried egg instead of a diamond. It's like the most like valuable it. thing you could get. It's a little nutty out there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you know what's weird about it is it, there doesn't seem to be – like if you go to some stores, they're relatively – I mean they're expensive or more expensive than they have been, but not insanely so. But then you go to some other stores and it's like $9 or That's something right. for a it's, dozen it's eggs. It's all over the board. I wonder if the are the chickens – like. They've got to be saying, I deserve more money for what they do because, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. If you're charging more for the egg itself, you would imagine that the chicken is more valuable. Well, which really comes first, though? That's the question. Ooh. Do you price the chicken (laughs) or do you price the egg? That's the real... Now people are going to think we designed that. I did. I just thought that up on the that spot. you are I'm, so quick. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm pretty, You're pretty proud, of especially for, for your age. I mean, you really, yes, you really know your stuff. <laughs> that is You're true. Very, very that quick. is. True. I thought you were going to well, do a 360 degree, like because it's the 360th episode. You're going to get the 360 degrees of content marketing. The full no. The full Monty of no. content marketing. No, that I, I I did not go there. I didn't even think about going there, to be honest. Uh, the three hundred and sixty. I didn't either. Although three sixty is a significant number. That's good. It it means that, it, that we've spent three hundred probably probably three hundred and sixty hours plus your time and my time. So let's add another two hours to that. It's a lot of wasted time. It really is. I don't know if we're providing enough value for that amount of time that's gone down the drain. Oh, I think we've provided 360 hours of, of – oh, because it's been way more than 360 hours of our time. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It's 360 hours yeah. of recording time in general. Yeah. Well, the, the the time to worry about is not our time. The time to worry about is – Well, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Doing? I mean, so people are listening. If I'm here and you're here, Mr. Hand, isn't it our time? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. See, people are listening to this right now saying, you know, you're right. I'm wasting my life. Listening yeah, to these two that's, we're remind- shenanigan makers. <laughs> yeah, you almost said something. Yeah, different. I did. Yeah. I was trying to yeah. keep this a family show because some people listen to it on their way to take the kids to school and then they go yeah. to work. So that's right. Whenever you bust out with, you know, I'm I usually am pretty clean. Sometimes you you'll throw you throw an, an S bomb, not an F bomb. Yeah, you don't have that's not yeah. that kind of show. We're PG thirteen. Well, I. Right. We always want to try and not get the tag, right? Because I think they automatically apply it. Um, we don't want the tag from Apple saying that we're not safe for work or whatever. That's interesting. Which, I just, is, why we, which is why I don't cuss. I mean, I would cuss like a sailor on this show if it were if it were up to me. Not, totally off the subject. I was answering yeah. some tweets the other day, and I saw that Podcast Movement had said, hey, throw out your tagline. And it's funny. I did it right away. You know, it's it's oh, your story. I, I tell that, it, yeah. It's your story. Yeah, yeah. Tell it well. And I'm like, that's a really that's right. good tagline. A lot of people like that. That we have a. I mean, I don't know if that's our tagline. That's but that's what you end with. So that wouldn't be our tagline it is. necessarily, but it should be. Well, I think it's I think it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's as good as any. Uh, for our podcast, we've had it since the very beginning. The very first. I've, episode that yeah. was your you did how long did it take you to come up with that did you just say i'm going to throw that in i had been doing it for uh a couple of not very long but i had done it on a couple of videos or something and i thought it was i thought it was a nice catchphrase right i thought it was a nice catchphrase for me to sort of end blog posts with or end uh my weekly column with which i still do by the way you do I still that's my right column yeah um and and then it it was it was a nice way to end the 
it really the podcast was what formalized it because I, I was not using it consistently until we did we started doing the podcast. Then it was just a nice way to sort of, you know, it was it's the old uh, it's the old legacy. It's my homage to Edward R. Murrow, right? Where he would end. I can't remember now that I'm we're sitting here recording live. I can't remember the actual saying that he used to have at the end of every show, but he had one. And then you know every newscaster has sort of had their sign off, right? And so uh, that was what I wanted it to be. That's really good. Um, Bertie Borges, a you know, friend of the show, uh, yeah. has a great uh, midlife fulfilled podcast now that he's been doing. I, I've been on it. That's right. Yeah, I have too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. we're both old. Uh, that's right. And that's how we you both get on midlife crises. No offense, Bernie, <laughs> but you know, obviously, you have to have a before have- and an after to be on that show, and of course, you and I both do. But he was telling me with my Content Inc. podcast, he's saying, "Joe, you can't just say good luck or whatever. End it. You have to end it with a thing like we do for this old marketing." So I think I was playing around with something like, you know, go go out and build your content business, but not on rented land or something like that. That's what I was. But then sometimes yeah. it didn't fit, so I've been I've been back and forth on it. But I've been trying to end with something. Just haven't found it yet. It's tough. You guys see, you got it the first time. That never happens. First episode, you got it. Yeah, I'm still searching for go. mine after I think 370 episodes of that. <laughs> well, there you Jeez. have it. Jeez, there you I have it. I was like, it. yeah. Well, it, it's, what what are we doing? What uh, I'm reevaluating. What my entire content production life right now. <laughs> you should. You should reevaluate your entire life right about now. That is this is the time to do that. To reevaluate your it's life. It's always well, the hey, time. Speaking of speaking of reevaluating your life, you you there is you've just announced an amazing lineup for the new CEX event. Oh, thank and you. That's worth that's worth reevaluating your life to go go see this thank event. Thank you. Yes. Uh, this week we unveiled our agenda which uh and you know this i i've been in the events industry for 15 years uh you and i work closely together on content marketing world i feel so good about this agenda i feel like we we hit a home run with this one i mean obviously with you you i mean you're speaking on how to find your content yeah. differentiation area which is a great right. topic and uh we have the best of the best. Jesse Cole, owner of the Savannah Bananas, going to talk about his fans first thing. And we have 40 of the OGs of content creation that are coming. Uh, and by the way, just so everyone knows, this is a price break week. So as you're listening to this on Friday, if, you, if you're if you one of the lucky ones that listen to it first thing, we have a price break uh, at the end of today. So if you would like to get it... Uh, go to Creator Economy Expo, which is May 1st through 3rd in Cleveland, and see the best of content creation on the planet. Use code TOM, that's for this old marketing, by the way, capital T, yeah. capital O, capital M, save an extra 100 bucks. I want to see you there. You can meet me, meet Robert. We can get together. We probably will have to do some kind of, we'll probably be doing some show. We'll have to, I think. Uh or yeah, something. Of course, or, we have to. We'll, we'll have to do something. We'll do, while yeah, we're there. maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll integrate it. I don't know what we're going to do, but anyways, if you listen to this podcast, come out and meet us at in Cleveland for Creator Economy Expo. Uh, you, if you are any part of the content marketing or content creation process, you will get immense value out of this show. So, uh, so thank you for pitching There's that up gr- to me. Uh, of course, <laughs> great speak. Good. There's some great speak. I mean, other other than me, of course, there are some really good speakers that are that are coming i don't know I just, where to, i looked at that i don't know where to start i mean you, you sort of have the ogs from content marketing world like you've got your jay bear your ann hanley your andy sure. castadina your brian fanzo and then you've got the up and coming amazing uh content creators like your jay klaus and your justin moore and uh we've got alexis grant who just launched a media company they got acquired a great brand jay kunzo is going to be there daphne gomez yeah i mean oh my god so good and by the way it's good stuff uh, just so people know that's six months in the making that's like <laughs> i look at that and i'm like that's six months of my life that i've spent getting people well now you're see but now you're reevaluating your life and this is this is a reminder of how much wonderful value you've added to the world yes but it honestly only works if people come. <laughs> dreams really do come true. Yeah, but people have Joe, to come. So people really listening do. to this have to be there. Yeah. So that's the thing. Well, that's, that a lot. So you can put the, the thing, agenda yeah. together, but still, 
it's you haven't done anything unless there's people to consume the content. Yes, that's the other part it's of a good this point. Thing. Same for us. It's well, you need an audience. Same right? for this you need podcast. An audience. It's the it's the what's that old comedian saying? Right, the only difference between a speaker and an insane person is an audience. Oh my goodness, um, that's such. A, who said that quote? That's a great. I don't quote. remember. Yeah, and that I feel. Like I'm losing my mind half the time. Well, you know, you know, we have these conversations. You're my therapist in a lot of ways. In many cases, yes, yes. Not this weekend. Well, yeah. Before we uh, we get going here with the news, I'm so sorry about your Cowboys. Wah wah wah. Yeah, that was. um, I mean, and boy, the memes are a plenty. Everything from the stupid last play that was like, what the hell are they doing to. Dak's performance to just, I mean, the, you know, it's just all the memes. Like, I've got people going, wow, that's, there's a lot of memes going around. I'm like, you know what? They deserve it. They, they, they deserve it the way they played. It's just not good. It's unfortunate. It's with when, when you have a last game like that, and then people call into question things that probably weren't questioned before. Like, now are people, are people saying that Dak isn't the person? To be at quarterback well, now? Well, yeah, but anybody with any realism, I mean, the, the amount of money that's still left on his contract, he's not going anywhere, right? I mean, there's just no, no way. No, I agree, but, I mean, but just, can, can. He, can he take cow, the Cowboys all the way, I guess is the it's question. It's pretty – It's it, well, I mean, I, I think if you polled the fans right now, you'd probably get 1% or 2% who would say yes, right, sure. right you know, today. I mean, you know, in, in any normal season after he plays an amazing – because that's the thing. He's, he's not – He's never mediocre, right? He's either amazing, amazing or terrible, and plays lights out or awful, right? And so it's 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 just who it's and he's so inconsistent, right? He'll go and may he'll be he'll play amazing football for two, three, four games, and then have a stinker, and then have three stinkers in a row, or you know, or go one game and then and there's no pattern to it. It's just which Dak is going to show up. And and it's 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 infuriating because most of the time, whenever the big lights are on, whenever there's big things going on, it's, he tends to throw in. That's when the stinkers usually come out. The bright lights. Yes. And you know what? Yes. Why do they have to show Jerry Jones after every big play is, on television? Is that nece- necessary? I don't think it no, is. No, but. No, but it's what you get when you're the owner and the GM. And they used to do stuff. that with George Steinbrenner all the time with the Yankees. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like Dave yeah. Winfield when hit a home run. Let's pan to Steinbrenner. What's he doing? Sure. I'm like, come right. on. Let's watch right. the people play. It's all we want. That's right. Anyways, That's do right. we uh, do we have a show? We have a week? show. We do have a show. We have a lovely show. We have a wonderful show uh, to talk about. Some interesting things came up this week for us to chat about. Um, the first is something else, a meme going around the internet that we can talk about, is that uh, OpenAI apparently used uh, an outsourced firm in Kenya and Kenyan workers on less than $2 per hour, and we'll talk about what that really means and what the responsibilities of the media are in that situation and all of those different kinds of things. We'll talk about Spotify and the question, have we reached peak podcast? Spotify joining the uh, number of other tech companies that are uh, out there having layoffs and announced uh, a little uh, 6% layoffs. Uh, But uh, we'll see what that actually has implications to with regard to where we are in podcasting. Then we'll talk about probably the biggest breaking news that no one is really talking about, which is the Justice Department has decided to sue Google for corrupting the ad market uh, for an antitrust lawsuit, which is finally the Justice Department showing a little teeth on this kind of stuff. So, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then if we've got time, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how newsrooms, you can sense a theme here, are reckoning with artificial intelligence following the saga that's going on at CNET, which was recently uh, admitting and looking at how they were, how much actual content they were using AI to create, so humans be involved. Then we'll get into our rants and raves, and I will I'll have some commentary uh, on, the, on what's really going on with the media and tech layoffs and and maybe just a little bit of a perspective there and again sort of taking the media and the narrative that's going around in meme culture to task a little bit and you are going to talk a little bit about your linkedin experiment and how it's been going over the last 30 40 50 60 days yes and uh, absolutely uh, help us with some insight 
before we get to our first story, which is is relevant, I just want to ask you: Are you using uh, Chat GPT at all? Have you been using it? I have used it, uh, and I have been using it. I have not been using it for any business or thought leadership or whatever content I create. I have not used it to. I've used it a couple of times to write uh, a web, like a webinar abstract. I was asked for a webinar abstract that I'm doing. And I, I had it, I, I wrote a little thing and then I had it write it better and just give me some alternative yep. versions and it, it came up with some interesting things. But so I've been using it more for experimentation. Like when I see things and I'm reading about things and I go and I go, oh, I'm going to let me log in. I am a, I'm paying for it. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm actually paying for access to both it and Dolly too. So, uh, so I, so I you are, you are number one customer. You are, you're doing all the things. I, I'm doing all the things. I have access to all the things. I don't know that I'm doing that much of the things, but I do have access to them. Yeah. Got it. I, I'll tell yeah. you what, as a, I've been using it for a title suggester, and I think it's fantastic for that purpose. It's good. Yeah. Titles and subtitles, especially subtitles, it's really good at, I find. Because, um, you, you know, typically when you want a subtitle, you want something much more explanatory. Uh, you know, just simple and straightforward, and it's really good at that. It's it for writing simple, straightforward how to like what is it text. It's fantastic. Some of this it's stuff. Really I'm good. sorry. Some of this stuff is so funny. There's one. I saw one thing going around that they asked like talk about this topic and make a song like what Drake would sing, and then you take that and you throw it into this thing called Drake it Drake it or something, and it will sing it like Drake will sing it. And it's Drake's voice. <laughs> you can have Chad GPT create a song good. in the style of Drake, and then you can have Drake it actually sing it as Drake. And I'm like, oh my god, we've we've we're going off the deep end now. Well, there's a yeah, there's a whole. The, I we we're not talking about it on the show today, but I just literally saw a, a link that came through of, of a guy who he he took uh, made had Dolly two. Uh, put in uh, and created an image of kind of a video game looking, you know, sort of a Unreal Engine video game looking person, like a hero. Mm-hmm. Then had uh, ChatGPT create a very short story in the first person about a space guy who gets lost and and is trying to find his way home. And then had and then put that into one of those voice actor uh, things with the image that'll move the mouth and stuff. Uh, you know, move the yeah. mouth and the eyes, sure. and and basically created a short, you know, a five minute scene of this guy telling his story, this astronaut telling his story. It's like a movie. It's, I mean, it's not that good, but it's but it's interesting. It's really interesting. It's going to be crazy in the next couple of years. I'm yeah. amazed, and I know we'll get into the article now, but I'm amazed at how quickly it became everything AI. And we've been talking about it on the show, like bits and pieces for a long time, but all of a sudden, oh, sure. this comes out in November and all the conversations in marketing have changed to what are we doing in AI? Yeah, <clears throat> so that's right. Here we are. It's, it's amazing. Well, speaking of that, let's get to our first story here, uh, which is uh, a, a time exclusive, uh, although it seems like every media company on the planet has decided to rewrite the article for their own uh, specific angle on it. And it says the headline is OpenAI used Kenyan workers on less than $2 per hour to make chat GPT less toxic. Uh, the uh, article opens up with, ironically, and kind of weirdly, I think, an, uh, an image generation out of Dolly 2, which I just found weird. That is kind anyway. of weird, but um, but I get why they did yeah. it. It's going to come it's going to it's going to come quickly that I don't love this article at all, but but <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to that point. Uh, the opening of the article starts up by saying ChatGPT was hailed as one of 2022's most impressive technological innovations upon its release last November. The powerful artificial intelligence at Chatbot can generate text on almost any topic or theme from a Shakespearean sonnet reimagined in the style of Megan Three Stallions, uh, Megan the Stallion. Yeah, I'll oh, get Sorry, that right. Um, yeah, I, I love Megan right, for sure. Stallion. How about all right? How about Drake? I guess <laughs> insert that. ChatGPT's creator, OpenAI, is now reportedly in talks with investors to raise funds at twenty nine billion dollars of evaluation, including a potential ten billion dollar investment by Microsoft. But says the article. The success story is not one of Silicon Valley genius alone. 
In its quest to make ChatGPT less toxic, OpenAI used outsourced Kenyan laborers earning less than $2 per hour a time investigation has found. The work was vital for OpenAI, ChatGPT's predecessor, GPT-3, had already shown an impressive ability to string sentences together, but it was a difficult sell as the app was also prone to blurting out violent, sexist, and racist remarks. This is because the AI had been trained on hundreds of billions of words scraped from the internet, a vast repository of human language. That huge data training set was the reason for ChatGPT's 3's impressive linguistic capabilities, but was also perhaps its biggest curse since parts of the internet are replete with toxicity and bias. Basically, the article then goes on for some amount of time to talk through its investigative report where they got uh, snippets of text, they got billing firms, uh, forms, they got uh, pay slips, etc., uh, and they've discovered that Sama Source, which is an outsourcing uh, partner in uh, Uganda uh, and Kenya and India, but the Kenyan, I guess, office was the one that had the uh, the assignment uh, from OpenAI uh, to label data that was considered violent or pornographic or toxic in some way. And as the article reports, uh, we're paid only between $1.32 and $2 per hour based on your seniority and performance. Um, and that basically a few months into the project, uh, there were some real complaints from the employees basically saying it's scarring me, talking about and looking at this content is not a good. They offered counseling. But at some point, Sama, the outsourced partner, said, nah, no more. Uh, we're going to actually close this down and basically quit the contract before it had uh, actually completed. And uh, there's the article just says all of that in a very long yeah, They very use long words, and article. those words go on and on. Yeah, they, they, exactly. <laughs> it goes on and on. You know, I mean, so anyway, sure. what has happened since, of course, is that this has all gone quite viral. Uh, and people looking at that and very surface level saying, oh, my God, they're exploiting Kenyan workers and uh, how dare they. And, and there's, they have to deal with this toxic, horrible content and this is exploitation and, and all those kinds of things. So anyway, before I give my take, which is uh, you know, a bit of a sure. spoiler alert, you can start to already yeah. hear it. What do you well, think? Well, yeah, I, I definitely would love to, to hear. I love a Robert rant. But there's a couple of issues <laughs> here. First of all, you have the, the payment – there's one issue, the payment to employees, which seemed to be about a buck yeah. fifty or buck seventy-five. Now, okay, uh, I'm going to throw this out as a very insensitive person that knows nothing about what's going on in the world. What does that mean in those dollars? Like, how much? Does, I actually looked it up. I, I actually good. looked. It how up. much I, does? I can what does two dollars go for in Kenya? Yeah. Yeah, it's about so it it they the equivalent was two hundred and eighty dollars. They were salaried, by the okay. way. So they just did, just time decided to do division. By the way, um, they're not hourly workers; they are salaried workers. Oh. so therefore they get benefits and health care and all that okay. stuff. Um, and so it's two hundred. The equivalent is about between two hundred and fifty and two hundred and eighty dollars per month, or the equivalent uh, of twenty. I think it's twenty one thousand, twenty two thousand uh, Kenyan shillings. Which is about the same salary there that a government worker gets, or a nurse gets, or a teacher gets, or someone in the in, or, in and around that right. level of position. So, I guess to, to ask you the question is: is are they under severely, significantly underpaying? They're getting they're no, getting twelve. They're overpaid. They're, they're actually yeah. Open, open yeah, it's over. Yeah, OpenAI was paying them twelve dollars twelve dollars and fifty cents for the work, and then they took their profit, all the administrative stuff, and they ended up paying the employees two dollars of that to do correct. This okay, that is right. correct. So that there's correct. that. I think what's correct. What was the most interesting and frightening about this article is what had to be done to make open a, sure. to make. ChatGPT, OpenAI, a usable tool with the thousands of horrific, brutal, violent documents that human beings had to go through to tag properly so that ChatGPT ends up being a usable thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's an awful, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hor horrible job. I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing that this is a, this is all, Unicorns and yeah, and by the way, the, to, yeah, they talk the in here. There's people that are having like some major mental issues because for months they're exactly. going through this this disturbing content. 
So anyways. And there's some debate about whether they were offered con- uh, counseling or whether they had to go proactively and ask for the counseling. And, you know, there's a, there, there is a bit of he said, she said here uh, in terms of what they, you know, what they uh, actually did for the employees. The, what's not disputed, apparently, uh, is the fact that at some point, Sama, the firm that employed all these folks, went, nope, we're, we're, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to do this any any longer and they quit the contract they they, they stopped the which contract. is at the very and end of the article yeah, yeah they say that's it's, right it's sama said no no right so that's, that's right how that works. that's right but interestingly there are some outlets that are reporting on this and the angle they've taken is is that basically sama somehow shafted these employees by quitting the contract and fired them all right that there's a layoff story here as well which is which is also very odd to me it's basically the, the, there's not a lot of uh, the articles that surround this because this one, other than I, I take to task a little bit the the way that things are presented, um, which seems that there's definitely a point of view here uh, on from on from the perspective of time uh, and some of the things that they how they chose to present things. For example, the two dollars per an hour instead of two hundred and eighty dollars a month. You know, it's. It, there's definitely in a, uh, there was some clickbaiting going on here, um, but more importantly is I think it's lost the really to your point it's really lost the nuanced discussion which we should be having, right? Which is you know I I see an argument that says should these workers be doing this type of work or should this work quite on, honestly be done at all? It, it it's it's a really interesting that you know this work has been going on for years in social media sure. You know, there are there are people who co- who work at Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these things who have to sort through all these things and delete these things as fast as they possibly can. And they're looking at awful, awful, awful images and videos and 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 horrific text and and all kinds of things. The the nuanced conversation here is one: who should be doing this work and how much should they be being paid? Is is the equivalent of just over minimum wage uh, right? Um, in, in, you know, in, in the U.S. or anywhere else in the world? Or is it that we should be doing this at a very high level? In other words, people who can handle this better, maybe emotionally, or who qualify for handling this more emotionally should be paid more? I think that's an, that's an honest conversation that yeah. should be had. And so, the, and then the third is what? Who, who's the right person to do this? Like, what's the right firm? Do you outsource this to a staffing firm where there's, you know, a, 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 a number of people in a cube farm that are tracking this thing, you know, acting like almost a, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a big pool of typing, you know, type, you know, typing pool kind of thing. Or is it the kind of thing where you want to really assign it to careful, considered professionals and it just takes so long, right? So anyway, it's a, it's a, I, what I hate about this whole thing is the is the meme that goes around that distracts from the actual conversation. That's what it's. That's what's so. Annoying. Yeah, I didn't really know where the article was going because it's clear that human beings are needed for this type of work if we are going to use a system like a Chat GPT. Right. Well, then well, you're right. Or, then the question not, is how much or, do you pay or them? Not right. Yeah. And what's right. humane and what's not for them to deal with. Somebody has to, if we decide that this product is necessary for the future of humanity and they want to actually, Microsoft and OpenAI want to go forward with this thing, somebody's got to do it. That's right. Well, and this is the the increasingly interesting part of the AI discussion, right? Because the, the AI discussion tends to be around how AI is going to replace people in doing certain tasks or certain jobs or certain things, right? What's not as well covered are all of the people who will be having to do things to make AI do the thing it's going to do. And, you know, we're, we're, today we're talking about horrible, toxic things on the internet. Tomorrow, the training model will be our corporate content or the training model will be uh, our, and there is a uh, huge manual labor effort that's going to have to go in to make training models better, uh, both automated and manual, to be honest, but but manual for sure. So the real question is going to be, 
over time, who is going to do that work, right? Is that the, is that the purview of this kind of situation where you outsource it to the lowest possible cost based on your currency valuation. And that's, I mean, we've been doing that for years and years and years from everything from making sneakers to making iPhones. Content farms. You know, content farms to, I mean, anything, right? The iPhone that you hold in your hand, the sneakers that you wear, and the jacket and jeans that you have on your body, the car that you drive, that, you know, we've, we've been doing that forever. And this is no different certainly than any of that the the manufacturer the basically of ai oriented tools will have an a, a human labor oriented component sure. and that's a worthy conversation of having for sure and we will have it for yeah i guess what we're talking about is nothing this is nothing new what what right so exactly yeah. exactly it's nothing new and and but to but because it's sexy right it's this is because it's it's it was an easy mark for that's true a writer to go to go hey right now the hottest thing in the world you know it's i, I mean i picture stefan right going the hottest thing in the world right now is chat gpt inside you'll find kenyan laborers you know it's like you're stefan this is that <laughs> stefan yeah really? stefan right you know yeah right of course you know of course that's the way this article is so breathless right it's so breathless with the you'll find kenyan laborers being exploited for 2 dollars an hour and that's that goes that meme goes around the world. I mean, you just do a Google search on this, and it's like Business Insider and Forbes and everybody picked up this oh, story, yeah. and then they they just picked it up without really looking into it and didn't even do the simple math of what's the currency exchange rate right now in for a you know for a Kenyan shilling versus a dollar, and what's the li- you know what's the average wage in Kenya right now? Yeah, that was my first question. And, I'm like, I don't know what this means. Like, is this not? This is this is different. Anyways, next. anyway, Let's there you it. go. Yeah, Good. yeah, there you go. Okay, so we're going on to our next story here, um, and uh, something that's really, really quite interesting, and that is meta to what we're doing right now, which is, of course, all about podcasting. So this comes to us courtesy of the Morning Brew. Spotify layoffs could spell trouble. For the podcasting industry, says the Morning Brew. It opens up by saying the corporate podcasting boom may be ending, not with too long preamble before the guest, but a whimper. Uh, yeah, I bet he was really proud. Oh of that yeah, when, uh, the, that's when stellar. That. Yeah, Spotify announced yesterday that it will lay off about 600 employees or 6% of its workforce in the latest big tech, uh, with caps, big tech recession hedge. The shakeup could signal a pivot in the company's podcast strategy. Like most of the other tech companies making cuts, Spotify cited overly ambitious pandemic growth, which I will talk about later in my rant, as the primary cause. And CEO Daniel Ek uh, took full accountability along with the layoffs themselves. Ek announced a major departure from the audio stream Chief Content Officer Don Ostroff, who was the driving force behind the company's $1 billion podcasting arms race to sign deals with like Gimlet, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and of course, the ever-present Spotify celebrity Joe Rogan. Uh, and these podcast mega deals of the pandemic may have been pre- premature, says the article. Podcasting just made up 7% of total listening on Spotify in Q1 of 2022. The company said despite the massive investment in tentpole shows and the exclusive show model that makes popular shows available only to subscribers, uh, that ha- these things haven't been proven to be wildly successful. If you zoom out, says the article, SiriusXM and Amazon Music have also hit the brakes on podcasts, reducing signing offers, increasing their share on advertising revenue. And on the whole, 2022 just wasn't the best year to talk into a microphone. What do you think about this? I uh, This was fascinating. fascinating. This is a fascinating question. Uh, I meant to actually ask our good friend Tom Webster. About yeah, this, I would but, love to know uh, uh, what Tom and then, of course, his, his company his used to work firm, with Edison yeah. Research is doing in this as well. But the 7% is a significantly insignificant number. That's right. I mean, think that's about right. that. All the money that Spotify has paid and and all the infrastructure and buying Anchor and everything they're doing around podcasting, and it's not 93% of their business. That's right. Is, I mean, what, what it says to me is, it, and a couple things, it takes so long for a podcast to build an audience, and you and I could talk to this <laughs> at length about how long it takes if you're it's different for musicians 
you can you can build an audience much quicker, I think, as a musician on a pl- platform like Spotify than you can as just doing a podcast because you have to invest a yeah. lot more time if you're going to generally listen to, to a what one podcast, an average podcast is thirty to forty five minutes, maybe more. A song is three minutes. You can get hooked much quicker. So they're investing all this. And I go back to the stat, and I forgot, I forgot which stat, but I used this in my presentation at Content Marketing World last year, that 40% of podcasts have two or less episodes. Yeah, that's so right. You, you have, so you, I'm under the assumption that in 21 and 22, you had everybody and their brother and sister create a podcast, and they tried, they stopped, and they didn't build an audience. Some did, but most didn't. And that's what you're going to see. It's just, and it's survival of the fittest. In order for a podcast to work, you've got to do more than a year. Plus, and you've got to integrate sure. it with everything else that you're doing to make it. So, I don't know. I think that, I mean, do you think that Spotify over-invested in this area? You're going to rant about this later, but... What what's going on? No, I'm gonna what no. What I'm gonna I'm gonna rant a little bit about is the is again the meme that's going around and and the, the, the what sets me off I guess on this is the yet again I mean what we need to realize is that these tech CEOs these tech and media companies are doing this this is all happening now these recessions uh, or excuse me the the, the layoffs are happening now not because they overhired and suddenly realized oh my gosh you know fanning their face i do declare we've hired too many people <laughs> you know they're they're doing that because somebody else led the way right and namely amazon was the was the was the one who's seemingly leading the way here and yeah, saying, and, and, and microsoft pull the and plug google now. like you and- know, pull the bandaid off now exactly Pull the Band-Aid off now where we get buried at the, the bottom of the news of, of the, you know, the next company that laid off uh, 6% or 7% or 10% of its workforce, which is a standard operating procedure, by the way, um, for most of these companies, and not an indicator that the world is on fire. We over-index to tech, for sure. I mean, in terms of the emotional output of the mainstream media, in terms of what's going on from an employment perspective. That doesn't make the people who f- got laid off feel any better. I understand that. But what we need to understand is, is that for Spotify, this, the, the, the narrative of this is, you know, we're in painful times right now and all of this kind of stuff, I, I don't buy it. I, I think this is just a business decision for them to get right-sized with what they're doing. Uh, I think it says nothing at all about the health of podcasting, and I think it says everything about Spotify going. Yeah, we got to you know in twenty twenty three. Here's where we are. We, we you know we've we've acquired a bunch of companies. Uh, there's a lot of overlap in people what they do, and we've got a focus on our strategy, and that means that we've got duplication, and we don't need the duplication. We don't need that mm-hmm. extra cost, and so they're just jettisoning some. No, I, I totally agree with you. I'm just under. I'm just thinking about is the podcast business for a big tech company like a Spotify, a mediocre business model. Well, that I think time will tell. We don't know, right? right? And I think think they're right for investing in it. I absolutely do because I still think that they can be the source for podcasts long-term because Apple is just deferring that to everyone else for some reason. Yeah, I think, you know, the future of audio uh, as a subscribed audio, which is really what we're thinking about when we, you know, talk about podcasting uh, is I think that's a I have my gut tells me it's a good business I don't have nearly the analytical chops and haven't done nearly enough research and work into it like for example our friend Tom Webster who's lives this uh, stuff day out day in and day out who could tell us much more uh, relevantly what what the future looks like but my gut tells me that this is this is going to continue. The podcast expansion is going to continue. The challenge of getting private podcast as a content marketing vehicle will continue to be difficult. Uh, that it'll be very much like every other entertainment platform is a a, a tale of the ninety nine and the one right where ninety nine percent of the people 
uh, you know, do contribute content to, like you said, three episodes, four episodes, and no audience to the 1% who have big audiences, right? And the, the goal, as with every other, if you're an author, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a musician, is you are part of the 99% and you're trying to be part of the 1%. Yep. And it's just, that's, that's the filter that you're trying to get yeah, through. Yeah, there's no doubt that audio is going to be huge. I mean, we've talked about on the yeah. show the advancement of the audiobook industry and how everybody's oh, expanding sure. into that. Yeah. It's it this is a thing, but if you look at the trends in podcasting and audiobooks over time, there was never any huge spike up. It's just it's been nice growth every year, a couple percent up up up. Yeah. I think what there's like I think the last thing I saw is almost 50% of people listen to one podcast a month or it's like 42 yeah. 43%. So we're getting there. And it'll continue yeah. to grow, go up two percent a year until everybody, most everybody's going to do that on a regular basis. So, but there's you winners. Know, the funny and losers. thing is, I t- yeah. just one small data point for you before we move on to the next story. I just so I literally just hit send over the weekend uh, on my manuscript to the publisher of my new book that's coming out in September, and I purposely wrote that book the 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 style in which I wrote it. I purposely wrote it to be listened to, right? It, so if you read the book, it's going to come across as, I mean, I hope it comes across as casual and uh, uh, yeah, a little bit not formal at all, I guess is the is, sure. is the more point, right? Not very book-like or business book-like. So conversational. Uh, I use a lot of slang. Conversational. Conversational, yeah. exactly. And, but I did that purposely because I know they're going to do an audio book and that's the way I want to optimize the experience. By the way, uh, before we get to the next story, congratulations on the getting the forward writer of the oh, Millennium very, very for your book. For do you want to talk about that, that for is, a second? Yeah. I'll I'll be very very quick about it. Yes, it's uh, so as most of you who have been any sort of listener for this show for a long time, you know I am a student of marketing and a student of the masters of marketing. Uh, and one of my heroes is Philip Kotler, who is of course uh, the distinguished professor at Northwestern, um, the Kellogg School, uh, and has written seventy books on marketing. And he is just you know he's I mean he's. He's the man when it comes to marketing education, what you go to university to learn. And he agreed very graciously to write the forward to my new book. Uh, and it's it's a bucket list item. Congratulations. It's, it's wonderful. That's Thank fantastic. you. That's, that, yeah, that's, it's, and, it's, and of course, Mr. Kotler was very intelligent to make this decision. So I'm sure it's going to be a heck of a book. Well, we'll see about that. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll see about that part. We'll see about that All right. part. All right, let's move on to our next story here, which is the sort of big and breaking news this week, of course, and that is that the Justice Department has decided to sue Google for corrupting the ad market. The article opens up from Axios by saying the Justice Department in eight states on Tuesday filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google's parent company, Alphabet, accusing the tech giant of illegally abusing its dominance uh, in digital advertising and violating the Sherman Antitrust Act. They finally got some teeth into their into their mouth. Uh, why it matters is because the second major antitrust lawsuit filed against Google by the Justice Department in the last three years, and if it's successful, could force Google to sell off much of its advertising business. The DOJ and a coalition of state attorneys generally sued Google in 2020 for using anti-competitive tactics to illegally monopolize online search uh, and search advertising, and that lawsuit is ongoing, but this one is about their display ads uh, and the ad market for uh, for both sides of that, the sort of ad serving as well as the uh, the, the ad uh, network that uh, that is available there. So uh, I definitely have a take on this, but um, do you want me to just quickly... Yeah, I want to hear your take I mean, because you said yeah. your take has to do with content creators. My take on it does. on just the monopoly that is that they're they're calling this, which I guess if you look at it on paper, it certainly looks like one. I think it's five. I think this is five years too late, and at this point, I think this is not the right thing for the Justice Department to do, because if I when I look at Google and I look at Google Search, I think that's a stalled business model in my opinion. I think they have have they've gotten as much as they're going to get out of that that particular business model with what's going on with ChatGPT, what's going on with Amazon, what's going on at TikTok, which really is more content discovery, like we're finding at Google than a social media platform. 
So so yeah. if they look at the competitive set, they're just saying they're just looking at search, search advertising. But if they the, the, but they're looking at that textual search. So it's like, oh, what's your competitors? It's Bing and it's uh, DuckDuckGo or whatever, right? No, that's not the yeah. competitive well, set. It's it's much broader than that. And I don't think they're looking at that. If they would have looked years ago before TikTok was around and before Amazon really got into the search industry, maybe. I don't think now. I think this is silly, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it's this is yeah. I I agree with you. Although I'll add a bit of because I actually went and read. Yeah, what, so that's what was the, it? that's how much love I have for this audience of this show. Is I went and wet, read the DOJ's complaint, um, and it's interesting because it's actually not about. So the original the lawsuit from twenty twenty is is about search, right? About about search ads. This is the ad network and ad serving, right? So banner ads basically on other people's websites. So publishers, for example, will very often monetize the real estate that they don't sell with Google ads, right? So they'll they, your ad may appear on Forbes. I don't know that Forbes uses it, but you sure. know, other publications will use the Google ad serving platform. Now, as the DOJ says, most people don't have more than one ad server, especially small and medium-sized businesses. They basically, they go with one or the other. So this is where it has direct relation to content creators, right? If you're a content creator and you're building something that is advertising-driven, chances are the first way you're going to try and ad- and monetize this is through Google Ads. You're going to stick Google Ads on your website. This is what we're talking about, is the monopoly that Google has both on the ad buying side, where I buy that uh, real estate, and on the serving side. And this was the acquisition of DoubleClick. So this is, you're exactly right, 2007 calls and want their lawsuit back. Sure. And th- this is when this should have gone down, right? This is, this is, this well, is before, the, that horse is way out the barn now. Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is the purchase of DoubleClick and AdMob, which that's, that's this right. is it. The ad serving company yes. and the mobile ad network. And that's why they are in this position today. So that's exactly right. So it's, so it's, it's, it's it's nice and philosophically, I I can agree that they they probably shouldn't have both ends of that spectrum, but they shouldn't have had both ends of that spectrum going back almost a decade. Yeah, I guess. Um, and and now the question is, what do you do about it? Especially in the context, and I think you bring up a really great point. Especially in the context of the search business is is in trouble, um, and AI is a big piece of that, right? So AI being a big piece of the threat. To what Google's doing in search, I think for the first time in certainly since I can remember, Google actually has a viable threat out there when it when it comes to their business model, and I think there there's and and that goes from everything from to your point verticalized search right where Amazon is now the number one for product search and uh, Maps are are in many ways competing with Google Maps and. Uh, You've got you know kayak and others that are doing things like travel search and all kinds of verticalized search, which is taking drinking some of the milkshake away from from Google. Uh, but in many ways, AI will be the biggest threat there unless they do something about it. So I think this is in context with where they are now. They have a good argument that hey, it, this is not this is not this is not a, a trust anymore or, or monopoly Here, anymore. Here's, I think, the big issue for marketing folks and content folks. We, when we think of search, we think of search engine optimization. When we think of discovery, right. we think of SEO, which is now incorrect. Content discovery, SEO is one part. That's the search engine part of discovery. You, you're, we're going to have um, audio search, vo- you know, voice search, is coming out. We've got social search, social discovery. I mean, you've got discovery going all over the place. And we can't just say, oh, how are we doing with Google today? Which, by the way, if you haven't noticed, and I talked about this on, with a group on my LinkedIn page, Google is just one page now. In the United States, you just scroll on forever. <laughs> There's no page right. two. So great. If you were always wanting to make it on page one for a keyword phrase, you did. It's one page. It just might yeah, be at the very bottom will. of the page. So, and the interesting thing is, is that w- when you talk about that discovery, right? Things like TikTok and what Facebook is doing with their uh, with Reels, and what Amazon is doing with suggestions, and all of these 
things will get much, you know, they've been really dumb, right? Personalization generally, content discovery or push content, as I call it, has been generally pretty dumb over the last few years, but it's getting really smart. And TikTok is the perfect example of this, right? Where it just knows what you want. And and pretty soon it's going to be, it just knows. You, you're not even going to have to search. It's going to be, you you put in what you want and it's, you, you don't even search for things, right? It's just there. And that interface is also one ripe for business models and all sorts of things. And, and you can see Google is concerned about it uh, because of the way that they're making changes to Google and the way that they're making changes to the way search behaves yep. and you know everything from the knowledge graph to scraping more and more content to stick it on the front page of Google when you make a search for something so that you don't have to go anywhere. They, it's in their best interest that they keep you within that walled garden. So that affects all all of us as content creators, as marketers, uh, and as communicators, because it just changes the way that we think about our, out the content we create and how it's going to be served up to our potential audiences. It, it's interesting when you look at the companies in the S and P 500 and you wonder why they turn over so much every year and every 10 years, you only have like, whatever, 70%. And then the next 10 years, 50%. If you look back 50 years, you only have a couple companies left. You think, oh, how can Google, how can Google lose? How can Alphabet not be in business? And then you look at, I've ne I, I'm probably scared if I'm with the executive team. I'm fearful because of what AI is doing and what TikTok's doing right now. And I'm looking at the Google business model and I'm saying, what well, we, 81% of their revenue is through advertising. It's yeah. a concern. Um, so anyway, that's why when you when you come back and you look at what the Justice Department is doing, they're looking at, at Google's past dominance. They're not looking at what's going to happen right. in the future. That's right. To make this decision. Right, which is which is exactly the same thing. You know, so they're litigating something that should have been litigated exactly. in twenty oh seven or twenty oh eight and now it's twenty twenty three. It's like, no, 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 you gotta catch up and look at what you're litigating today. And 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 really not what you're litigating today, but what you're gonna be litigating in twenty thirty and twenty thirty five. And so that's the that's the real question, which of course is not literally the way the Justice Department works, I understand, but it's 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 crazy how fast the technology develops and where the uh, you know the FTC and the Justice Department are looking at antitrust and just and and they can't keep up. It clearly can't keep up. So it's 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 difficult. I get it. It's really how, really difficult. How can they keep up when when all these confidential documents are in everybody's house? There we go. There we go. Everybody. There we go. We everybody has confidential documents. They just take them home. I think they just they well, just wait. They do. They're I like mean, handouts. Yeah. They're like handouts yes. when you leave the White House or the the House of Representatives. Right. You it's just like, say, "Here's your confidential document. Here's your here's your file here you folder. Go. Yeah, here's your Manila Congratulations. folder, full of, full of confidential documents." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you? Here's the thing. Here, here here's here's what's here's what's really funny is right now there are. Any number of ex-senators, uh, congressmen, congresspeople, uh, really freaking out, ex-White you know, House personnel that are freaking the hell out right now, all of them knowing that they have confidential documents in their homes. Like, they all did. Yeah. They, they all did. Now, the question— Here's the, the the appropriate question that doesn't get asked in these situations is when they're asked to bring them back, what happens? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when 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 we asked you to return them, what did you do? That's the reason that places get raided and yeah. and and FBI they just gets need to in. put out an all hands note just and say, say listen, for for this twenty four hour period, like you can book, right? you can yeah. bring them back, and we won't say yes, anything exactly. Exactly, but just just open it up for <laughs> should have just a grace period, a one week grace period. We're gonna close our eyes and we're gonna walk out of the room, and here's a big box. <laughs> just put them in the put them in the box in that box, and nobody will ask that's, any questions. By the way, that's a great idea. I I think that's the idea we should pitch because you know everybody's got them. So absolutely, everybody, yeah. everybody everybody's got them. The question is, what do you do what when do you you're do? asked for them back? What do you yeah. do? 
All right, let's get to our rants and raves section here uh, as we uh, as we get toward the end of our lovely little show here. And before we get into our rants and raves, of course, you know, we have our wonderful website, thisoldmarketing.site, where you can check out everything. We love your story ideas. Come leave us voicemail. We love getting those voicemails on the site. There's two ways to do that on the site. So you can leave us a, a fun voicemail telling us how much you love us or telling you, well, I don't, that's, that's all you can do is tell us how much you love us. Um, and... Uh, other than that, you can also subscribe to newsletters if you're there, if you like getting more of us in your inbox uh, than you currently do, and that's available to you. And, of course, I'm sure Joe will have all sorts of discounts to CEX available there and all those kinds of things. So links, 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 and ideas from you, that's what you can find at thisoldmarketing.site, and we thank you for being a subscriber. Okay, so uh, we have some rants and raves. I have just a very quick commentary, so I'm going to okay, go first. please. Um, uh, because it's it's quick, and uh, yours is way more interesting. Um, so, right now the media layoff thing is is uh, just a fascinating thing because, as I mentioned earlier, media layoffs, tech layoffs, they're all they're all getting the every every other day. It seems like some new tech company is laying off some people, and I don't mean to deprecate this at all or sort of minimize it, you know, because I've been laid off. I've been laid off twice in my life, uh, once because of economic and once because just of this company was being stupid. Um, and it sucks. I know it sucks. I've been there. I've been, now I will tell you both times I was laid off were, ended up being the best, uh, best parts of my, my, my life. One of which was to join up with this guy, Joe Polizzi. So, um, it can be a good thing ultimately, but I know it's not. I know it's hard and difficult. But what I wanted to comment on is that this running meme of the overhiring during the pandemic is kind of not true. It's just it, so. There's. Do you are, do you ever listen to Ben Thompson, the Stratechery? Uh, only uh, a couple times. Not podcast? recently. No. He, it's it's wonderful. By the way, I couldn't recommend it more. But he actually went and did the analysis. Uh, on hiring how many people, you know, like Amazon and Microsoft and Google and all these companies and basically did the analysis on how many they've hired over, since 2016 in some cases he went back to see the hiring spree and then how many people they've lost. And the 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 narrative that all of a sudden we overhired during the pandemic and then had to correct that is, it just, as he says in his post, it's just not true. He said it's it's very surprising, but it's not true. He said, you can argue that they've been overhiring for six or seven years, but you can't say that they there was this big, with the exception of of, of a little bit with Amazon that was that had a bit of a, a big bump in 2020 because of all the work from home and and uh, and and online delivery stuff. That there's a there's a bit more of a bump there, but everybody else, it's 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 just an upward trend. It's just been going up and up and up. The tech sector was just going up and up and it was due. It was just due for a correction at some point. And of course, 2022 brought a huge correction to the to the tech space more generally speaking. Um, but that overhiring did not happen because of the pandemic. It just happened. And there's some fascinating, and we'll put a link in the show notes, of course, for, for those that want to go look at it. But I just find it fascinating because to me, it always looks it, when I see those layoffs, it, you know, P and G, for example, they famously and and have been written up in business books on this. Get rid of ten percent of their workforce every year, right? They just lop off the bottom ten percent every year. Um, and there are companies that that routinely do ten percent cuts every single year just to to refresh the employee pool. This is a good thing that happens in the business environment. And again, I don't want to minimize this for those who have gotten laid off or anything like that. But from an economy standpoint, this is this is ultimately these small layoffs that ultimately re regenerate. And I have every anticipation that this year, the second half of this year, is going to see a hiring spree, especially in the tech space. Um, but the the meme that is going around right now that it was these tech companies that were overhiring during the pandemic is just is is, is proven to be false. So interesting, just to yeah. On that. Even even with all the layoffs, uh, whether you believe them or not, uh, still unemployment is at a historic low rate. That's right. Yeah, this those. is this so. is focused in on the tech sector. 
you know, but they but he looked at it. He looked at Facebook. He looked at Alphabet. He looked at Apple. He looked at Microsoft. Um, and it's you look at the graphs and in this post that will and, and unfortunately it, it may be behind a wall, so I, you may not be able to get to it. But uh, it's worth subscribing to, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to his podcast. Um, but it's if you just look at the numbers, every, he goes back to 2013 in some cases and just shows that it's been a steady upward growth since 2018 or excuse me 2013. Um, so 10 years, 10 years of growth. You know, Amazon started in 2013 with 109,000 employees. They finished 2022, 10 years later, with 1.5 million employees. I mean, that's 10x growth mm-hmm. over 10 years. That's, I mean, that's just, that's just astounding. But it didn't all happen in 2020. It happened, you know, the, the big jump actually was uh, between uh, 2016 and 2017. So it's just the, the numbers when you start to look at it like that are just really interesting. It's, uh, you're, the biggest, most important thing that you said in that is you have to uh, pan out. Look at the chart from a different perspective right. than just looking at it from a 12-month perspective. I say that with Bitcoin That's all right. the time. People say, oh, you lost all your, you know, oh, I can't believe you invested. I said, uh, just look at the chart. Look, I mean, it's <laughs> you haven't seen you haven't seen uh, many charts that look as good as a Bitcoin chart. You just have to look at it at a five year right go perspective. Back. But anyway. that's right. Okay. Go back and I, go back and I, I all right. What do you okay. got? So uh, I've I've mentioned on this show that uh, I've been doing a little LinkedIn experiments over the past sixty days. I've been posting regularly on LinkedIn. I haven't done that uh, before, and and I have some findings. So I want to share those findings. First of all, just so people know, I post at least once per day on the weekdays, sometimes twice per day now. And I, I've been trying every other weekend, and that's just for time purposes. If I'm available on the weekend, I'll, I'll post. Uh, weekend posts do actually a little bit better uh, because of less competition. But So that's just one little little data point. I've also found no differences between images and, and no images. So I've, I've done some with images, some with no images, and it's about the same. It really is about the big idea that you're trying to share. Hashtags seem to help, uh, but not so much you notice. Now, my my two best posts, one was an image post and one was a story on being focused. So I haven't figured out the image yet, Robert, but I've got some other findings here. So follower count. I've added less than, so over the last 60 days, I've added less than 2,000 LinkedIn followers. Now, as you've mentioned on this show, I started with, I have over 200,000 followers. So as a percentage, very small. I'm doing a lot of work and I'm not getting a lot of followers. So you might think, I better not use followers as an indicator. Uh, Here are my ahas though. Uh, I added a LinkedIn newsletter as an offering when I started this whole thing. So basically, I have my own newsletter, the random newsletter that I send out every other Thursday, and then I package that up, and now I send this on LinkedIn every Monday. Um, I've added almost 25,000 subscribers in 60 days. LinkedIn subscribers. What's that? LinkedIn LinkedIn subscribers subscribers. to the the newsletter. I've added yeah. so now quick 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 insertion yes. question are do you have the ability to export those you don't have the ability to export those right so it's truly I a can rented see audience. them I can you can, I can see, see them, them. I have to manually export their email address yes right okay. it is absolutely okay. rented land at this point that's yeah, how I'm okay. looking at it yeah um, yep. what's amazing is I haven't figured it out but it seems like if you're in creator mode and they they go into your profile like your your newsletter stands out pretty clearly. So to have a LinkedIn offering in your profile really makes a difference. So speaking of profile, when I started this process, I was getting about 20, 20 to zero profile looks a day. Right now I'm averaging over a thousand profile looks a day, which is wow. amazing. How do you, how do you see that? Um, I have, if you go into your profile and scroll down, it will say, here's how many people looked at your profile in the last seven days. And you click on it, and you can do some analytics against it. Oh, yeah. There we go. So how many? Yeah. So right now, I'm averaging over 1,000 a day on profile looks. So that's crazy. So now, last thing, commenting. Most important thing I've learned here, commenting on other people's posts is the most critical thing you can do. So I'm not just posting. I'm commenting on about 10 to 15 uh and probably like five or 10 per day, but on 10 to 15 different people that, that I consider influencers that I want to target. Now, um, it's more important, but not for reasons you think. When, I, when you comment on somebody else's post, your audience sees what you did in their LinkedIn stream. 
So sure. while you might think you're going to pick up new followers uh, by doing the commenting, you're really not. What you're doing is it's retention for your current audience because they're seeing that. So uh, if you don't have a following, my recommendation would be to go heavy on the commenting. Target 10 to 20 accounts where your customers' prospects are, are hanging out, and, and that's what I would focus on. So I'm going to keep doing these updates uh, but that's just the first 60 days. Right now, I like what I see in some areas. In other areas, I'm a little disappointed. Um, I still haven't had any big... Like, every post I do, Robert, I, you know, I'll get 70 to 100 reactions, which is great. I'm not poo-pooing it by any means. But I haven't seen right. some that you see. They get thousands and thousands. They just It seems like everyone gets about the same. Um, but again, it's only been 60 days. So who knows? So uh, just to get, I'll give you some quick, very quick comparisons, right? Did you say that there was a big spike after you did the newsletter on, on profile views um, on a daily average? On, on Since I've been doing this, I've been slowly ramping yeah. up profile. So the commenting and the posting, okay. pro- profile views are going up. Gotcha. All right. So I'm just as a, as a, as just a data comparison point, I have 26,000 followers. So about a, what, a, Ten percent uh, of what ten percent of what you have, I'm getting uh, about two hundred uh, views, anywhere between hundred and eighteen on the lows. I mean, I don't know where you see the average, but, but I'm, you probably averaged it out. Yeah, right? I you just averaged the it math. Out. Yeah, so I'm getting. I'm just looking at it right now. So anywhere between uh, a high of two oh nine, and this is in the last uh, six months, uh, to lows of 75 during Christmas and all that kind of stuff. So it looks like it's about 180, 175 as, as an average. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going back to when I started here. I mean, it was in the hundreds. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, I had a, yeah, it's just, anyways, we could talk about this. All I think day. it's the, com- I think it's the commenting and the, and the, and the posting. I wonder, I, I, I'm, my hypothesis, and it'll be fun to test this, is that I wonder if the newsletter is really helping the profile views or if you like you say it's more of a retention thing. yeah i don't know i don't i all i know is that that seems to be the call to action that people go to the profile and then they say oh i like what joe's doing subscribe at least there's something there i don't yeah. think they would do that with anything that's not a linkedin newsletter if i put my own newsletter there i don't think i'd be seeing those kind of subscribers i think that's so, right i think anyways. that's right but it, more to come so, more to come well yeah, absolutely. And if there's any LinkedIn experts out there that want to educate oh, us please. Uh, yes, on this we, stuff, we, please we, do. We would we would love the advice. Um, so what do you got? What do you got this week? Where where what's going? Oh, on? Oh yeah, every, I mean, it's still hit, you know heads down. We're in Creator Economy Expo mode. Uh, <laughs> we've got you've got that full agenda up. We've got the price break day. We got all kinds of good things coming. So that's what I'm doing. I got in two weeks. I've got a little vacation I'm going to take. But right now, heads down. How about you? Uh, I am, uh, as we speak, I am on the road uh, in the lovely New York City where I'm doing some year planning with uh, the good folks at CMIs for Content Marketing World 2023, which should be a total blast, um, and uh, and some year upfront planning and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm back home and busy in client work, and have, my wife has been away on, a, on, a, on a, an amazing adventure, which I'll tell you a little bit more about on the show maybe next week. But uh, her, she's just literally back uh, yesterday uh, from this amazing adventure that she took uh, whale swimming with oh, whales. Wow. It was just, it was, it was unbelievable. Crazy. So I'm, I'm anxious to sit down with her and go out to dinner and hear all about it and all that kind of stuff because we sort of were two ships that passed in the night as she arrived we're home. two ships. That pass and then I'm sorry, that's my Barry. There you go. There you, there go. you go. Well, yeah, we should just be done. <laughs> yeah, with we're that. done. We'll see Show's you guys over. next week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Remember, everybody, it's your story to tell. Here's the tagline: It's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on this old marketing.